Good morning, Harlem. Beautiful day today, isn't it? It's encouraging how God often gives us these beautiful days to come and worship him. But we'll be here rain, snow, sun or shine, right? Let's uh, go to God with a word of prayer. And I also just want to thank our worship team for really preparing our hearts to worship this morning. You know, if you come here heavy hearted, distracted, you know, God will always bring us, reel us back in with some worshipful singing. And uh, uh, hopefully your mind is at peace and you're ready to receive God's word this morning. I do have some encouraging words for you this morning. At least it was encouraging to me as I was preparing it. So hopefully you'll be encouraged as well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father God, we are just truly grateful uh, for your love, which endures forever. And God, we are so grateful that you do not give up on us. Even in the times we give up on ourselves or the world gives up on us, Father, we know that there's one person who will always, always, rain or shine, thick or thin, will be there for us, and that's you. And we are so thankful for that love, and we pray that we can live every day of our lives showing our gratitude and our appreciation for your love for us. God, please encourage our hearts, enlighten our minds, and direct our hopes in our future through your word. This morning as we look into the Bible, God, and, and, and uh, try to meet the needs of our souls, God, I pray that you will equip us and you'll encourage us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are drawing our series on the soul to a close. And I wanted to spend the next few Sundays looking at a few things that every soul needs. How many of us have seen the movie What About Bob? Have you ever seen that movie before? Actor Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss? Well, in the movie What About Bob, Bill Murray plays the title character who's a uh, he's a uh, neurotic, phobic, obsessive, compulsive personality in, in, with innumerable needs. He's very needy. And Richard Dreyfus plays his, his therapist. And he realizes that taking care of Bob is more than he had expected. In fact, Bob would say things like he had trouble breathing. He had problems swallowing. He said, I have numb lips. My lips are numb. I have fingernail sensitivity. I have pelvic discomfort. He said, what if my heart stops beating? What if I'm looking for a bathroom and I can't find one and my bladder explodes? I mean, he just had these ridiculous needs. And Richard Dreyfus was exasperated by all the needs that his patient brought uh, uh, to his attention. But he was stuck throughout the movie taking care of Bob. Now think of your soul as Bob, and you are Richard Dreyfus. You know, it's the nature of the soul to be needy. Have you ever wondered why I need so much? Why do you need to be thanked when you extend yourself? Why do you need to be loved? Why do you need to be appreciated? Why do you need relationship? Why do you need sleep? Why do you need rest? Why do you need peace? Where our souls are needy. And God 
calls us to shepherd those souls. He, he left our souls for us to take care of. And we're, very, we're, we're limited in every way when you think about it. We're limited in our, our intelligence. We're limited in our strength. We're limited in our energy. We're limited in our ability. But there's only one area where human beings are unlimited. And in his book, Taking Care of the Soul, Soul Keeping, Taking Care of the Most Important Part of You, John Ortberg quotes Ken Dunnington who says, We are limited in every way but one. We have unlimited desire. Think about that for a second. We have unlimited desire. Look at what Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. Have you ever heard someone say publicly or privately, I got too much money. I just don't need to make any more money. I mean, just recently, you know, for those of us who are into sports and, and, uh, and basketball, Houston Rockets, uh, their superstar, nicknamed The Beard, just signed a contract worth $228 million. Now, he was already making a lot of money. But he's getting $228 million, one of the richest contracts in NBA history. Before that, Steph Curry, who was actually a champion, signed what was believed to have been the richest contract in all of sports, $201 million. Now, I doubt that when they were sitting down, signing that contract, they said, no, 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 that's too much money. Take that back. I mean, you know, the... The $10 million you pay me annually, that's, that's more than enough. No. No. Even when all of our bills are paid. And we're able to do what we want to do. We still want more. Why? Because our souls are needy. Our desires are never ending. Our soul's infinite capacity to desire, I believe, mirrors God's infinite capacity to give. God never has his limits on giving. You can ask God every day for the rest of your life, and God will always give to you. Think about that. If God was tired of giving, he could have, you know what, you guys had enough sunny days. From now on, every day is going to be gray. But that's not who God is. God loves to give. And we love to ask, don't we? I mean, think about it. What if the real reason we feel like we never have enough is that God is not yet finished giving to us? The unlimited neediness of the soul matches the unlimited grace of our God. The problem, however is not our soul's neediness. That's not the problem. The problem is our sinfulness. You see, our need was meant to point us to the one who could meet the need, which is God. If you have infinite needs, then you have to have an infinite giver. And because we have infinite needs, 
we try to fill those needs and meet those needs with temporary things. And therefore, when you put something temporary in an infinite hole, you'll be dumping and dumping, and you will never satisfy that need. You know, I wished on the 4th of July, well, actually, that weekend, I had my desire to eat barbecue had ended. I had an infinite need for more barbecue. There's just something about good food. You just can't, you, you know, you can go somewhere, you can taste something that will blow your mind away but you'll never stop eating. You know, I had some ribs over the past weekend. Blew my mind away. I couldn't stop talking about it. But I'm not going to stop eating ribs because of that one experience. You get what I'm saying? Like, there's always going to be a need. But we try to satisfy these needs with other things that also demand devotion from us. And the Bible calls that idolatry. All sin at its core is idolatry. You know, it's the soul meeting its needs with anything that will disconnect it from God. That's what idolatry really is. Now, the thing is, you can't give up idolatry. Once you identify it in your life, you can't give it up by sheer willpower. You can't will yourself to get rid of idolatry. You can't plan it. You can't fast for it. You can't, you just can't do it that way. You can't give up idolatry simply by turning away from the idol. If you remember in scripture, when God would call his people to turn away from idols, he was calling them to turn away from that and turn towards something else. You had to tear down these idols of worship and turn toward God. So sheer willpower alone is an empty and less satisfying way of meeting your soul's needs. You can't really, really want to stop worshiping this idol and and it goes away. You have to turn away from that and turn toward God. Now, one of the best needs, one of the soul's needs that we're going to talk about today is simply... Our souls need to be with God. Every soul needs to be with God. Every soul. Every soul. Not just Christian souls. Every soul needs to be with its creator. When you read through the Bible, you get the sense that the soul was designed to seek God out. The Bible says that the soul thirsts for God. Psalm 63, verse 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And Psalm 143, verse 6 says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. It lifts itself up to God. In Psalm 25, verse 1, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. It praises him. In Psalm 103, verse 1, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Our souls cling to God. In Psalm 63, verse 8, my soul clings to you. 
your right hand upholds me. And finally, our soul finds rest in God and God alone. Psalm 62, verse 1, my soul finds rest in God alone, not at the Bahamas, not in the Caribbean, not in an extensive four-hour nap. Your soul finds rest in God alone. Let me hear you say, my soul finds rest in God alone. you got to speak to your soul. Because if you don't talk to your soul, something else will. And it will tell your soul that you need rest and I can provide it. And we know that idols are empty promises that never delivers. The psalm writer says that Oh, my soul, in God alone, you find rest. You know, our soul seeks God with all its being because it desperately wants to be whole. When sin entered this world, there was a separation between our soul and God. And all throughout history, our souls have been trying to reconnect with God. And our souls will never find rest until it finds rest in God. You know, in the beginning, when God created the world, he planted a special garden in the east called Eden. And the Bible describes this as a beautiful place, a place that was special to God, a place where God himself would walk. And God created this garden to be with man and woman. And you know, I imagine God walking in with Adam through the garden and asking him, what did he name that tree? And you know, what did you call this fruit? Did you decide on what you wanted to call this flower right here? And, and you know, just, just having a beautiful day together, being with each other. And I can imagine God looking forward to being with Adam and Eve. You know, when you love someone, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. You just, you're just happy to be with that person. You know, my wife and I, we could be walking from the parking lot to the building, we can be walking down the street holding hands. It doesn't matter what we're doing as long as we're together. As long as we're together. You know, it's, it's not about the walk. It's not about the date. It's about the person you're with. It's about being with someone. And our souls were made to walk with God. God is who our souls want to be with, and God wants to be with you. Yet in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned by disobeying God and did what we all do when we sin. We hide. In Genesis 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? They hid from God. Here's the amazing thing about God. He will not be denied. God went after them. He knew where they were at. You know, when I, when I think about this, you know, when we often sin, most of the time, we, the first thing we, we want to do is hide. We don't want anyone to find out because it makes us feel bad about ourselves and, and we get, we're embarrassed and we think, oh, yeah, I did it again. And, and you know, and, and we want to hide initially. 
And depending on what the sin is, we really hide. And, you know, that, and, and it really can, can have us hiding among the, the, the trees, trying to hide from God. God knows where you're at. God knows everything. He sees everything. You can't hide from God. If you're hiding in Fortnite, you can't, the deepest ocean, there he is. You can't find, you cannot hide from God. You know, on Monday, two people saw their soul's needs to be with God, and they, too, were hiding. And then they realized that their souls have a need that can only be met by God. And they decided, you know what, let's stop hiding among the trees. Let's be with God. And on Monday, Chris and his girlfriend, Yudera, were baptized into Christ. Stand up. Don't be so mad. They're right there in the back. That nice peach, peach shirt on right there. You know, I'm so proud of Chris being in his Bible studies, watching this guy go from hiding to now chasing after God, seeking out God, deciding, you know what? There's nothing else that matters to me right now other than being with God. You know, the whole Bible is about going after us, God going after us, relentlessly pursuing us, wanting to be with us. And what's interesting is that God called out to Adam and Eve. Now, physically, he knew where they're at, where they were at. God knows everything. He can see everything. One scholar believes that what God was really asking was, where are you in relation to me? Because at that point, sin has entered the world. And so when God was saying, where are you? He's in fact asking, where are we right now? Because before this incident, we were walking together in innocence, in the garden, in the cool of the day. And now you're hiding from me. All God ever wanted to do is be with you and me. That's all he wants. God doesn't hide from us. We hide from him. Consider the biblical character Enoch. We know hardly anything about him, but we're told that Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. God was with Abraham, his son Isaac, and his other son Ishmael. God was even with Jacob, a manipulator and deceiver. Then he was with the nation of Israel. God was also with Joseph. And here's where God's being with God gets really interesting. Joseph ran into a really hard stretch in his life. And we learn through the story of Joseph that God is not only with us in the garden, but God is also with us in the hard times. He shows up even in the most painful and difficult places. See, God is not just with us when everything is rosy and everything is peaceful. God is with you in those hard times. God is with you in those dark times. The Bible, in fact, says that the darkness to God is light. So there is no dark place where God can't go. Whether it's in your soul, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your life, God will venture into the darkness to be with you. That's who God is. God's not afraid of the dark. In fact, God calls us out of the darkness into his wonderful light so that we can be together. 
And then we see through scriptures, God is with Moses. God is with Gideon. God is with Samuel. God is with Ruth. God is with David and many others until one day a baby is born. The Bible says they will call him Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Now Jesus is born and we get a a little glimpse of what this with God relationship really looks like. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus is quoted here saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, this means living with Jesus intimately from one moment to the next. It means that we have a conscious awareness of Jesus' presence in our lives. It means that we're, we're connected to him every day of our lives. That's what it means to remain in him. Otherwise, he says, our lives will amount to nothing. Everything we achieve will be very temporary and not have an eternal impact. You know, we then see Jesus throughout the Gospels appointing 12 of his disciples so that they might be with him. One of them, named Judas, decided he didn't want to be with Jesus. And so instead, he betrayed Jesus, and later it resulted in him killing himself. But the others, the other 11, went on to change the world. God, from beginning of time, since the beginning of man, had always wanted and desired to be with us. Then there's this group of crazy people in the book of Acts who started this church. They were so radical that people made fun of them and called them Christians. They were a community that was devoted to Jesus and Jesus' way of life of being with God. They devoted themselves every day to what Jesus taught to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking bread together. They shared what they owned. They served each other's needs. Ethnic barriers came down because they became known by the way they loved each other. These people were fanatical. They drove the Jewish Jewish community crazy. The world was literally turned upside down because they had never seen a community of people this devoted to being with God. And that's the church we claim to imitate. That's the church we want to model ourselves after. People who are devoted to being with God and being with other Christians who want to be with God. Ask yourself this question. Do you enjoy more time with other people who want to be with God than you do with those who don't want to be? with God. I'll let that marinate for a second while I take a sip of water. You know, sometimes we think that being around other people who want to be with God ruins our fun. Man, why how come everything's gotta be spiritual? I mean, can't we just sin for a minute? I mean, do we always got to be talking spiritual things? Can't, I mean, you know, bro, 
Can we watch this movie without you pulling out a spiritual illustration from it? Let's be honest now. Now, I think there's a time and a place for that. You know, <clears throat> obviously you don't want to be at a barbecue and, 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 you know, hearing somebody talk about their quiet time the whole time. I mean, I do want to talk a little bit about, can we talk a little bit about sports? Aren't you as crazy, as upset as I am about the $71 million contract? But, you know, but, I mean, you know, there are things you can't talk about. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a spiritual thing. Every single conversation But do you desire more to be with people who are trying to be with God? You know, sometimes that's not always the case. And I believe it's because of what Adam, we saw with Adam and Eve. Some of us are hiding. We hide from each other because we're ultimately trying to hide from God. Let me just say this to you. Let me let you off the hook. There is no sin, no sin ever committed by man that would keep him away from God. There is no sin. I don't care what you've done. God desires more to be with you than he does to be apart from you. Let that inspire and encourage you. That's God's grace. Yeah, I know you've blown it, but I still want to be with you. That's the love of God. That's that's the song we just sung. His love endures forever. His love doesn't stop just because you've blown it. I mean, come on. Are you Samson? Even David blew it more than most of us. I don't think any of us blew it as as much as these guys. And yet, God still wants to be with you. You know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus shows us how to be with God, how to meet this need in our souls. He practiced the presence of God, I in him and he in me. He walked with the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 15, that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. I often read that scripture and I think, how is that possible? Jesus was God, but he was also man. He was also flesh, just like me. How is that possible? And what do I do? Just like most of us, I work and I focus on not sinning. I say, I I, want to stop sinning. I'm going to stop to the best of my ability. I pray about it. I'm like, God, I want to stop sinning. Help me stop sinning. I don't want to sin anymore. And what we do, we go and we blow it again. You know why that happens? Because we put more focus on not sinning than we do on God. Read through the Gospels. Do you find a time where Jesus is focused on not sinning? That's not the impression you get. Jesus focused on being with God. And therefore, Jesus was without sin. Because his eyes was on things above, not on earthly things. When you think about not sinning, what are you thinking about? Sin. Right? I mean, with kids, we tell our kids, don't touch that, it's hot. What do you think they want to do? They want to touch it. So when you say, don't sin, don't sin, don't look, don't touch, don't. The more you try not to, the more you want to. Now let's take that same principle and apply it to God. 
the more you think about God, the more you want to be with God. See, the goal is not to try to sin less. The goal is to be more like God. Remain in him. Jesus focused on God, not not on trying not to sin. In Psalm 16, verse, verse 8 through 11, it says, I have set the Lord before always before me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with, ever, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. He has set the Lord before him. Let's look at another one, Psalm 119. I love this passage. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Where is his focus? On God's word. He put in his heart so that he might not sin again. He didn't say, I have hidden the desire to not sin against you in my heart. No, I've hidden your word. So God's word dwelling in us richly is what will inspire us, is what will encourage us to not sin. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. These verses suggest that being with God does not just happen automatically. Set. Take captive. Action verbs. We have to be deliberate about Remaining in him. We have to be deliberate about being with him. It's not about sinning less. It's about remaining in him, being with God. You know, I want to give you a challenge. Decide each day that you will make a conscious decision to be in the presence of God in everything you do. You know, on the way here, driving, I said, you know what? I'm going to drive as if Jesus is right here next to me. And I prayed. As I was praying on the way in, I was praying as if Jesus was sitting right next to me, thanking him for the beautiful sky and, you know, complimenting him on the color contrast between the, tr- the, the green leaves and, and, the, and the light blue sky and the depths of color and, and thinking, wow, man cannot do something like We couldn't think of anything like this. And, and just really talking to him as if he was sitting right next to me. And then there was this one turn where I'm turning up the street to come to the building and I'm behind a driver who is driving very slow. And that's where the challenge. Jesus, you might want to get out right here. I'm going to come around and pick you back up. Practicing the presence of God. Keeping your mind fixed on him in everything you do will help you remain in God. You know, too often we're thinking about not blowing it. We're thinking about everything else happening around us and God's nowhere in the picture. And therefore we, we, we do what we try not to do. We sin because our minds are not connected to God. We're not engaging God. We're not remembering, thinking of God being with us in that very incident. 
that God is right there, that he is with us, that he's doing exactly what our soul needs him to do. Be with us. Be with us. We ask him that. We pray for We even sing the song, be with me, Lord. I'm here. Act like I'm here. Think like I'm here. Speak like I'm here. In every conversation, picture God being right there. How would your conversations go if Jesus was standing in front of you? When you see through the eyes of faith, you can see God in everything. Try to deliberately imagine yourself doing that at home, at work, in the car, on the bus, on the train, when you're online, when you're watching the news, when you're with others. Because what's the alternative? Imagine God saying, you know, you can continue doing life without me, feeling stressed, feeling pressured, angry, sorry for yourself, impatient, and being a pain in the neck to the people around you. You can do life that way. Or you can do life with me. You can be glad you're alive. You can be grateful you were given a life. You can be joyful you actually have work to do. And you can recognize that I, not you, am running the universe. You can do life with me or you can do it without me. Most of us are here today because we were tired of doing life without God and said, Jesus is Lord. I want to do life with him. When you, t when you look at life that way, doesn't it make sense to say, yes, God, I want to do life with you. I'm tired of being stressed. I'm tired of every day of my life being hurried. I'm tired of being conflicted by all the emotions and all the thoughts and all the things going on in my life, I want to do life with you. No, Jesus had a, never had a worry in a day in his life. It was so, Jesus was so connected to God, he was able to take a nap on a boat in the middle of a storm. When you're able to do that, your connection with God is strong. But why was Jesus able to do it? While everybody else was freaking out around him, Jesus was like, God got me. He's got me. You want to be able to keep your head on the cushion in the middle of a storm. Your soul will never find rest without God, and that is just the absolute truth. It desires to be with him. It needs to be with him. And Jesus gave his life showing us how to be with God. As we take communion this morning, I want to encourage you to imagine taking communion in the presence of Jesus. Imagine sitting at that table at the Last Supper, looking at all the men who followed him with all their hearts, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength. And then imagine Jesus himself breaking the bread, handing you a piece, passing the cup to you, and enjoying communion together. Think about consciously being in the presence of the one who saved your soul. Let's pray. Our awesome God to heaven, Father, we are just truly grateful that you, your desire to be with us is so insatiable. God, we're so grateful that your desire to be with us will never end. And that even though we slip up, you never do. 
Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. I thank you, Jesus, for not shying away from the cross, for not reneging on your commitment to die for us. I thank you for leaving us an example to follow so that by your example, we too can know how to live a life of being with God and that we too can can have such peace of heart and peace of mind that we can keep our head on the cushion in the midst of a storm. And God, we ask that you will remind us that you are always with us and that you will never leave or forsake us. As we take the bread which represents your body, as we take the juice which represents your blood, I pray that you always help us to meet this need in our soul. We love and thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.